Welcome back. Today, we will be discussing black birthing health. Did you know that black birthing people are more likely to die in childbirth and that infant mortality rates are higher among black babies? Today, we will be talking with Kai, a doula and student midwife, about the importance of black birthing health. Kai, can you share with us kind of a little bit about even what a doula and what a midwife is? Because I think there's a lot of maybe misconceptions or lack of knowledge on what those two things are. Yeah. So thanks for having me. Um, A doula is someone that provides physical, emotional, and educational support to people while they're pregnant, during labor and birth, and in the postpartum period. Um, midwives, they do all of those same things, but we're actually medical providers. And so our license allows us to attend births outside of the hospital. Well, the one that I'm going to school for allows me to attend births outside of the hospital, um, in a similar way that an OB would in the hospital. And so people get confused because, Lots, there's lots of doulas out there and some doulas, you know, are student midwives like myself, um, but, you know, they're not medical providers. So there's a huge difference between the two of them. Can you share with us your journey to this? Because I know you didn't like just start. You said just three years ago, you, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of really started this. So uh, your midwifery journey. Um, yeah. So what brought you to becoming a doula and then making the shift from doula to midwife? Yeah. So honestly, I have to look at my entire life's experiences and how they all just brought me here. The first birth that I attended, I was 12 years old and my auntie Winnie was having a baby. And I was like, mom, you have to let me come with you. Like I miss school and everything. And I was like there and present for her birth. And that birth really just like, I was like, wow, this is how babies are born. And like community is supposed to be present when this happens. Right. And so, you know, throughout my like teenage years, I was always like the church helper in the preschool or like if somebody had... Um, a baby. I was always like the postpartum helper. So I was always around newborns, always around new parents. Um, And then in 2014, one of my friends was having a baby and like she invited a couple of friends to come to the hospital and her husband was having a panic attack and couldn't support her. And I was like, oh man. Um, And so I just like stepped in and did what I naturally thought she would need and wanted And one of the nurses was like, oh, you should be a doula. And I was like, what is that? And she explained to me. And the friend was like, you don't want to be a doula because women are crazy in labor, right? And this person that was giving birth was a labor and delivery nurse. So I trusted her, right? And I was like, okay, fine. Um, Some reason doula work, birth work still just kept coming up. Um, Like, and eventually two years later, I took my first training when I took my first training, I didn't learn anything about Black maternal health, right? And so I connected with other BIPOC doulas and started learning about the things that were happening to Black birthing people in the system. So I was like, oh, okay, so now I'm going to be a doula, a queer Black doula, who's going to state that I'm a queer Black doula, so that queer Black folks and queer folks of color can find me so I can support them. Um in that doula journey, I ended up at a meeting 
at Highland Hospital with their midwives. And all of their midwives were white except for one person. And I was like, all these white midwives at Highland in Oakland at this public hospital? I was like, no. I was like, no. I never, when I became a doula, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a doula and then a midwife. I never said that. I was like scared of midwifery because of the responsibility that we have, right? And so once I saw that, I was like, fuck that shit. Like my ancestors are like, no, you cannot let all these black birthing people and brown birthing people birth with all these white hospital midwives. So it took some years, like probably a year for me to accept the calling that my ancestors were like pulling me into. Um, And, you know, there's nothing else I'd rather be doing you know, and I, and I knew that I didn't want to work in the hospital, right? I knew I wanted to be a home birth midwife, because I knew I wanted, you know, the people that were birthing at home to have full reign of whatever, however they wanted to be, whatever position, wherever I've caught babies in the shower, I've caught, you know, like, I've caught babies, like people standing up, and it's just like, you can do whatever you want. And so I knew that, I wanted to support people birthing the way that they wanted to birth, right? And I also knew that it's a very powerful um, first experience for the child on the outside, you know, to be born at home. Like, I'm so excited for this generation of babies that are being born at home because I'm like, y'all are going to be the change makers, you know, because that's how it starts, them being born at home. Um, Yeah, so that's how and that's I'm in it in it to win it for our people. Yes, I love that. While we're on this topic, you know, back in the day, midwives were the main people Mm -hmm. delivering babies. Mm -hmm. But currently, that's not the case. Right. What do you think made or led to that cultural shift? Well, it actually wasn't necessarily a cultural shift. It was colonization. So when the enslaved Africans came, were brought here, stolen and brought here, um, they brought their midwifery skills, right? And so they were the midwives for all of the community, even the white folks. Um, And eventually, like, white doctors were like, oh, what are they doing? Oh, that's not safe, although it was very safe. And basically changed the outlook of OBGYN care. As you know, enslaved Africans were experimented on um, with their reproductive organs. And so it's really, it's not a culture shift. It's like it was flat out stolen from black people. Um, And now is the time where lots of us are like reclaiming it, um, that knowledge from our ancestors. Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because colonization, as I've told my students throughout the school year, ruined everything. Can you share with everyone who's listening a bit about why is this so important? You know, Black birth birthing people are dying sometimes four times the rate of white people, sometimes six times the rate of white people, depends on where you are in the U.S. And for a long time, the Black birthing people were being blamed for their own deaths for not taking care of ourselves or not taking going to prenatal care and whatnot. But in all actuality, studies are showing that it's actually the racist providers, right? And so within probably the last few years, there have been 
different movements and different like just bringing awareness to the fact that there's racist providers right and so some hospitals are implementing like bias trainings for those providers or for, for all the hospitals right and then some of us are like well fuck this system like we're just gonna you know become like our traditional midwives ancestors were and just bring it back to the home base where black and brown people don't actually have to birth in the hospital if they don't want to unless they're high risk and they can birth out of the hospital um yeah so from your experience what do you feel are like some of the main differences between people who birth in a hospital versus people who birth at home what do you mean the difference like the difference in the outcomes mm -hmm. or the mm -hmm. outcomes the experiences just kind of maybe how people feel after giving birth in those two different spaces yeah so you know when people birth at home we see them like every couple weeks in their pregnancy and then towards the end of pregnancy we're seeing them every day and so we actually really get to see them and we see them longer for just 20 minutes like some of our visits would be like an hour long, an hour and a half long. And we don't just check on the wellness of the baby inside. We check on the overall wellness of the pregnant person, you know, mental health, physical health, emotional health, like their diet and nutrition exercise. We're like checking in on all of those things. We really actually get to know them. Right. And so when people are birthing in the hospital, the prenatal care looks different. Sometimes they're not seeing the same doctor each visit sometimes the visits are like 10, 15 minutes long. Sometimes you're seeing someone who is not even going to be at your birth um, because of the nature of how um, the OBs flow in and out of appointments and in the hospitals, right? And so if you can imagine having your baby at home in your own environment with people who let you do it however you need to and want to do it as long as you're safe and the baby's safe. And then imagine being told what to do and how to do it and when to do it in the hospital. Like those directly affect the outcomes, not only like in the birth person's experience, it affects um, the lactation and nursing, body feeding, chest feeding, breastfeeding experience too. Um, and it affects like the bonding um, that can take place. And so, most folks that have their babies at home, you know, breastfeeding is successful. They're really bonded. They like actually can say that they enjoyed their birth experience. Whereas it's hard for people in the hospital to say that because there was some sort of trauma that happened to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, that's so real. And when I think about, um, you know, just how people, like you said, like when you have a home birth, you're kind of free to be. Mm -hmm. And I think there's like this large misconception that, um, you know, you need to be bound to the bed and you need to be sitting down and people don't realize that that's actually counterintuitive to being able to give birth. And there's not enough conversation about how the field of OBGYN was made by white men about women's bodies, which is strange. Um, and you know, how everything we think of in the hospital is to the, um, comfort of the doctor mm -hmm. as opposed to the comfort of the birthing person. And when you really think about that, you realize how kind of messed up 
the ways in which hospitals um, think about or support or don't support birthing people. Mm-hmm. So when I think about uh, people giving birth at home, a lot of people are like, oh my God, it's not safe. Well, what if something happens? What actually percent does quote unquote something happen where you actually need medical intervention? Mm-hmm. Well, in the three years that I have been apprenticing with home birth midwives, we have never had an emergency where we needed to call 911 and have a transfer. Um, We do have kind of like, um, it's like a infant resuscitation mask. So if the baby comes out and they're not breathing, we have the skills to know how to give them breaths, um, to support their transition into the world. We have pharmaceutical medicines that are for hemorrhage, and we also have herbal medicine that's for hemorrhage too. Um, So if someone is bleeding too much, then we have the medical needs right there next to us to give them um, whatever they need. And, you know, we carry Pitocin, which is a pharmaceutical, which is also one of the drugs that they give in the hospital. So we have that with us. You know, I've never, I've had hemorrhages, but we always stop it because we have the medications and the herbs um, to support. Yeah. So the only, um, you know, we usually stay after the birth, like two to four hours, sometimes four to six, if the baby's not transitioning well, there have been a couple babies that weren't breathing, that were breathing a little too fast and seemed like they needed a little bit more help. And so we have like had the parents and the mid the main midwife go with them to the emergency room just to make sure that everything was okay but other than that you know no no emergencies right because most most births do not actually need medical intervention now there are of course some situations where medical intervention is absolutely necessary but majority of births don't need it. And, you know, I think if, I think it would be great if we could actually now have a cultural shift back to midwifery, at least in my opinion, because um, I've seen firsthand um, what it's like, you know, and, and I don't really share this with my students, but I have seen firsthand what can happen when people have babies in the hospital and how it's not the ideal situation and how the hospital can um, sometimes do more harm than, than good. Mm-hmm. I want to shift gears a little bit just really quickly. Um, You know, there's so much conversation about, um, you know, maternal health and black maternal health, but everyone who gives birth is not woman identified. Mm -hmm. So how do we support people, the midwifery community, the OBGYN community, whoever, and supporting our like black queer, um, our black gender nonconforming, our black trans men, who are also having babies. Mm -hmm. That is something that I am really dedicated to doing. And so what I've started doing is just my use of language, right? Language is really important. Inclusive language is really important so that folks can seek you out, you know? Oh, that person has worked with trans folks before because they referred me from this person and they know like language and they know our situation and they know who I am. Um, it's really the language, right? And so a lot of times queer folks, gender nonconforming folks, trans folks are choosing to birth out of the hospital so that they don't get misgendered, so that they don't, you know, get like weird looks or whatever. And so they are choosing 
queer home birth midwives to support them because we understand who they are, you know, and want to support their growing family. Um, yeah, I don't, I, you know, I wish that there was like something that all providers, some training or something that all providers could take, but you know, that's hard to like mandate for hospital staff. Maybe we should just make something super dope. We should. And make the hospitals pay us. Yes. To do trainings. Yes. <laughs> um, that would be dope. Yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, I mean, I think what's some inclusive language that you feel like you had to shift and adjust for those out there who feel like they might want to start using some more inclusive language? Yeah. When I first took a doula training in 2016, I learned the term birthing person, birthing people. And I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. You know, like I, as a black queer identified woman, like cis woman, um, like it didn't click in my head. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like not everybody that is pregnant is a woman. Not everybody that's pregnant is a mother. Not everybody that's pregnant is a parent. Um, I think it's really important to note the differences because whatever you say to someone that's pregnant can be very triggering for them. You don't know if that person got raped and they don't see themselves as a mom. You don't know if that person is giving that baby up for adoption for such, you know, reasons that you don't know. And so I think just changing like pregnant woman, mom, um, to birthing person, birthing people, you know, more within the last year or so, I've really been trying to watch my language around breastfeeding because not all parents that feed their baby from their body call it breastfeeding or call their chest breast. So adopting chest feeding, I really like body feeding because that's kind of for everybody because <laughs> um, that's literally what you're doing is feeding your baby from your body. Um, and instead of saying breastfeeding, saying lactation or nursing, you know, or feeding, body feeding. And so it's, it's hard because like the straight white folks are like, you can't, you, you can't say, you have to say breastfeeding cause that's erasing the woman. And we're like, actually, no, we're just including everybody and, you know, fuck the binary. And so we have to like use this inclusive language because what if like a trans person had their baby and they needed help feeding, you know, like they're going to be nervous or afraid to ask somebody who, isn't using inclusive language and then therefore may not get the help and then may not actually feed their baby breast milk, which is studies have shown is to be the best for the baby, you know? So it's kind of just like changing and shifting our language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because we know that most of the language um, that's used around the health of birthing people is it's just so cis and heterocentric. And there are so many trans guys who birth their babies mm -hmm. and do a beautiful job birthing their babies. And yet they're often stigmatized and, and misgendered. And there's just so many issues when they have to go into a medical facility. So mm -hmm. I'm so happy there are, you know, queer midwives, doulas out there like yourself who are committed to supporting these communities who are constantly marginalized. Um, what would you say is like your greatest joy in mm. this work? Greatest joy? That's hard. There's so many greatest joys. I mean, just last week, we had a first visit with some clients who 
um, are black and like I was able to find their baby's heartbeat. It was the first visit and she started crying. Like that was a moment of joy, you know? And so just getting to see people fully be themselves in our care and not have to hide or be ashamed of anything that they do with their lives or in their lives or who they are. That is like kind of my biggest joy because it's like you can come to your midwifery appointment and be who you are completely. You can come and be crying. We'll sit there and hold you. You can come and be laughing. It's like, I don't know. I think the joy is just like seeing the clients be themselves. Um, and then of course, like after when they have their baby, you know, if we've been working with them for like six months or so, and then it gets to the time of where they have their baby and just like seeing their growth, that's a joy too. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for talking with me about Black birthing health, because we're going to stop saying Black maternal health and stick to Black birthing health Mm -hmm. um, to be more inclusive. So thank you for, for coming on and chatting with me. And I hope that my students learned something from you today. I mean, come on, students, come be Black birth workers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it was definitely my honor. You know, I could talk about this all day, every day. Um, and I hope that you students learn a little bit. And if you want to know anything more, like Jay totally has my info. And if you're considering like birth work or postpartum work or abortion work, um, hit me up. Let me know. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.